Chris Carter here on the Locked On Steelers podcast. It's the Wednesday episode. We're going to talk about Kenny Pickett and Matt Canada because why not, right? After the game, they did pull out Monday night, but Mike Tomlin had some words about the Steelers offense. want to talk about that with a new guest to the show, Will Graves from the Associated Press. We'll get, we'll get up with him, and we'll have our Stars and Skulls grades on the Steelers from week two. It's the Locked On Steelers podcast from Chris Carter. Let's get into it. You are Locked On Steelers, your daily Pittsburgh Steelers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to the Locked On Steelers podcast. I'm your host, Chris Carter, bringing you your daily dose of all things in the Pittsburgh Steelers. As always, you can find this show on your favorite podcasting apps and on YouTube. Like this video if you enjoyed. Subscribe to this YouTube channel to get all of your daily Monday through Friday episodes, as well as our bonus content. We thank you for making the Locked On Steelers your, your first listen every day because we're your team every day. And today's episode is brought to you by Prize Picks. Prize Picks is daily fantasy made easy, the easiest, most exciting way to, to play daily fantasy sports go to prizepicks.com slash locked on nfl and use co code all lowercase locked on nfl for a first deposit match up to 100 dollars. as i said before we're joined by will Graves of the associated press this the locked on steelers podcast is real now they always say if, if the associated press wasn't there it didn't <laughs> happen they are here on this show the locked on steelers podcast is official official how you doing will i'm good carter you're talking like pickens in the open field that's how fast your lips are moving man my god Somebody is caffeinated. Let's go. Listen, I am on so many coffees that, that, to even do this show after how late we were up uh, both Monday night and how late I was up Saturday night because I had to drive home from the backyard brawl. So I've had some 3 a.m. and 5 a.m. nights. But I want to talk with you, Will, about some of the things Mike Tomlin said about the offense and the coaching in general and what our outlook is for this for this offense. But to, to, to kick this off, Mike Tomlin, you know, opening up, he straight up, without even being asked about it, talked about coaching. He included himself, but he talked about how the entire team has to start faster, has to plan better for what the other team schemes, and also addressed, when asked about it, the boo the, the booing and the fire Matt Canada chants that were happening towards the end of the game when the Steelers' offense looked inept at the at the end of the game, as they have so often under Matt Ten Canada's tenure. Here was Mike Tomlin on, on his pre Tuesday press conference addressing those. With coaching, man, we got to coach better. Uh, we got to get these guys playing faster with more fluidity uh, and surer. Um, we got to start faster. Um, we have to play more coordinated, particularly at the early stages of games. We have to. Uh, anticipate um, schematics of those that we play against um, a little bit better um, and displaying anticipation as a component of preparedness. Um, you know, they threw some things at us, particularly from a run structure standpoint. Mike, you talked about the environment you saw at the game. Those same fans also in the second half, fourth quarter, showed their displeasure with your offensive coordinator. What, what do you say to those fans in the stands of that second Man, I, I appreciate their passion. Um, I share their passion. We all do. Um, man, we love our fans, man. They, they inspire us. Uh, they challenge us. Um, it's an awesome relationship. Man, we don't run from challenges. We run to challenges. Um, this is a sport entertainment business. It is our job to win and thus entertain them. And so, you know, we don't begrudge them for that. Um, we we, we, we want to... We want them to be fat and sassy and spoiled. It is our job. So 
Mike Tomlin, great, great quote, by the way, on the fat, sassy and spoiled part. But, Will, something that stuck out to me about him, him talking there, addressing, you know, game planning, anticipating what, you know, what teams are going to do. That is straight up on coaching on both him and Matt Canada, making sure the offense and the defense both are ready for what the other team's trying to do to take things away from, from you. What is your take on how the Steelers have tried to script things, not just this year, but in just your time covering them in recent years? Well, you know, I, I think obviously, look, when, when you manage one first down, uh, you know, in your first nine possessions combined, what, zero for five against the Niners, one for four against the – I mean, that's – look, that's the script, man. That is the script. And Mike T basically said today, and look, we, we were both there, that mm-hmm. – you know, we had an it was an inability to adjust to what the Browns were doing in a timely fashion. I mean, that's and that's on coaching. You know, that is, that is on preparation. He mentioned mm-hmm. word preparation a couple of times. Uh, to me, it just sounds like that. You know, Canada comes in, has a plan, and you know that. And the plan is the plan, and it, it doesn't account for what the other team is trying to do. The Browns threw something different than them, particularly when they still are trying to run the ball, and they had no immediate answer. And that is a, I mean, that's a problem, man. That is that is that is a that's on, I mean, that is on Matt Canada. Like yeah. that is, that is not on the, the offense as much as it is on. I mean, look, we saw some of these runs. Like, why are we, why are they running wide with Najee Harris? Yeah. Like, like more, like once or twice, just to kind of like mix things up. But I mean, the man is built to run in between the tackles and they seem to be intent on trying to get him out wide in space. And I just, it, it's baffling to me. It is. It is baffling. And, and like you said, there's times you got to keep teams honest and, and and test them out wide and stretch things out. But that only works when you establish you know, one of two things. One, a passing game that can force the linebacker, the linebackers to freeze a little bit so they're not flying out there. And two, running inside so that now if you run outside versus inside, if uh, if you establish an inside presence, they kind of want to charge up the middle a little bit faster. And if they do that too soon and you call an outside run, they have then now given up their gaps and it gives you more chances to make plays. But the problem that we've continuously seen, Will, the Steelers' offense can't establish anything. Nope. They were fortunate in this last game to hit on the touchdown pass to George Pickens. He, you know, that was that that was a good read by Kenny Pickett. Good throw. George Pickens took it to the house, finished it. Great, great job by him. But they haven't shown anything that was consistent. And we'll get to the offensive line in a little bit. I think it's alarming that the stuff that they had at the end of last year, where they were running the football, where they were at least possessing the football a little bit better. You don't even see that right now. And that to me speaks to one, the players that they have still have ways to go, but also, like you said, coaching. And again, this isn't just Matt Canada to me. This is also Mike Tomlin here. You have to be able to get these guys to find something solid to stand on so that you can build your offense forward. But until you do that, you're not going to be able to add any complicated plays or, or fancy plays that we see from like the Dolphins with Mike McDaniels or anything like that. I mean, one of the things, you know, like sort of the, the it was a double edged sword in the preseason. The good news is, hey, you got the ball five times and you scored, but you did it so quickly. There was no time to really, you know, establish, uh, you know, there, were, there weren't, I mean, it's kind of weird because all we did was complain yeah. about like, a, they need splash, they need splash. And then they went and go get it. And <laughs> the problem is because they got the splash, they didn't, they didn't have to grind anything. And let's be honest. I mean, look, I, I was fooled a little bit by the preseason, I'm just not by the performance, but by the confidence they showed while they were playing. Right. But the flip side of that is, you know, they, in the in the preseason, they, defenses aren't really game planning for you. They just kind of want to see what they got with their guys. They want to see what they've got. They're not trying to show you slow you down as much as they are trying to see what you know 
especially these days when when all it is is about the preseason is mostly about what figuring out what your depth is. You know, like it's it's having your second and third and fourth and fifth stringers play 75, 80, 90 percent of the snaps. So they're they weren't getting game planned that much. Now they're getting game planned. Okay. Yeah. And I and I think, you know, so they're not going to be able to just march right down the field. And I think that is a it's, it's a weird, it's it's a weird thing because all we did was com, you know complain about guys, man, these guys, it takes them 15 plays to score a drive. And then in preseason, they do them in two, three, four, five, six plays. And now they haven't had a chance. They haven't had to consistently convert third and five, third and seven, third and two. And now they're having to do it on the fly against really good defenses. And obviously, to your point, they're just not up to speed. They're not up to speed. And and, and there's even times, I think the mix is too, is that it's not all just on Matt Canada. Like, like there's times where I think Matt Canada, had, like in the first half, I thought there were more plays drawn up to be successful that just weren't executed. And that's not just by Kenny Pickett, by also the offensive line, missed opportunities right. across across the board. But the bottom line is, again, if it's if it's what you know Mike Tomlin or a lot of NFL people would call popcorn, if it's coming from different directions at all times, that's the sign of a bad unit. And that was something we saw a lot early last season. The question will be, Will, can this group, this unit as a whole, adjust so that that becomes less of an issue and they at least find an identity before we get to like mid-season and then we're looking at okay where's this team record-wise because they survived against the Browns and they may be fortunate if they're able to you know they got the Raiders and the Texans two teams that aren't that good right now that doesn't mean that the Steelers should overlook them with the way how they're playing but if they're able to get through these first these first few games and be what three and one through four games that would be a win and set them up for a good spot but if they if they get through these games, win them, and they still don't have an offensive identity or any progress there, they're going to start to get smacked as they get to the middle part of the season and their schedule starts to intensify again. Yeah, I know. I mean, look, I, I asked Mike T today when you got so many young skill position players, uh, you know, that are expected to make a leap, and then they have this great success in the preseason, they get in the regular season, get punched in the mouth. Mm-hmm. Does their confidence? Does that affect their confidence? And he said, Yeah, of course it can. So, I mean, they need to find out who they are. You know, the thing is that the problem is they're you know, maybe they are better suited to just doing what they did the second half of last season. Maybe, you know, we, the you know, the fans, the media, maybe we all were just like, oh, you know, look at that preseason. Now they're going to average 30 points a game and it's going to be, you know, the killer bees 2.0. And I think that obviously <laughs> that has, you know, that that's not going to happen. It, but it's weird because of game circumstances, because of the inability to stay on the field. I mean, Najee Harris has 16 carries in two games. Like that's, yeah. That's well, I mean, I, I, don't, I don't care what their identity is. It's not that. It is not Naj. It is not Naji or Jalen Warren, for that matter. We can talk about that in a little bit. Um, you know, being minimized in the game plan. So uh, it is a. I mean, look, can they get it together? Yes. I mean, I look. I'm not from here. All right. I grew up in the D.C. suburbs uh, uh, in the '80s and the '90s. I rooted for the football team. Won a bunch of Super Bowls for I when I was a very young man. Now mm-hmm. I'm a very now I'm a very old man, and they have won nothing for 30 years. So I have a lot of respect for the Steelers. I think Mike Tomlin deserves the benefit of the doubt because he do, he does find a way every year to kind of even in the bad years to kind of get them back. But this is an important year for Matt Canada. Matt Canada is coaching for his job, you know, and he's coaching for and he's coaching for any future employment too. So look, I mean, this guy is heavily invested in figuring this out. The problem is when you get this deep into it. I mean, we're what. 36 games into the Matt Canada offensive coordinator era. And yeah. I mean, it has been a slog. It has been a real slog. And and so like, can they figure it out? Yes. But, you know, I think I was optimistic that the gap had closed between them and the Kansas cities and the Miamis and the Buffaloes of the world. I thought, well, yeah. maybe if they can score 27 points a game, 
they can get, you know, they might be able to beat some of these guys. And that looks like a heavy, heavy ask at this point. Hey, they had two defensive touchdowns and they still only scored 26. So uh, that that goes to show you there. I want to keep talking with Will about things. We got our stars and skulls rates coming up. We want to focus on the offensive line as well because they had a rough night despite the victory uh, there. We'll get to all that on the other side of this first break here on the Lockdown Steelers podcast. Your host, Chris Carter, here with Will Graves of the Associated Press. But first, I want to remind you this show is also sponsored by eBay Motors. Our partners at eBay Motors have teamed up with our Locked On Fantasy Football Show host, Vinny Iyer, to bring you some of the best fantasy picks each week all season long whether you're prepping for a draft or scouting the waiver wire every week you're going to provide they're going to provide you with uh, guaranteed fits for your roster so with, with with this season underway we want to look at the guaranteed fit for this week and that's ravens rookie wide receiver zay flowers he they had a fine week one before a modest week two but flowers will go into full bloom while cruising to a big game on a weak colts secondary at home in week three flowers will be schemed open well as baltimore's new look passing game continues to find more life with Lamar Jackson. So that's why Vinny tells you to go start Zay Flowers. With eBay's guaranteed fit, you go to 100, 122 million parts and accessories for your vehicle. Right at your fingertips, you can make sure your ride stays running smoothly. Air filters, brakes, batteries, taillights, alternators, shock struts, you name it, eBay Motors has it. And they'll make sure it's the right fit for your car because eBay's guaranteed fit helps you understand exactly what parts you need for your vehicle the first time. So go forth, switch gears, crank the AC, and say goodbye to sweating if your ride needs a little fixing up because now you'll know you'll always be set up for success from the get-go. With eBay's guaranteed fit, everything your vehicle is calling for is just a click away. For the parts and accessories that fit your vehicle, just look for the green green check. Get the right parts, the right fit, and the right prices at ebaymotors.com. Let's ride eBay's guaranteed fit. Only available to U.S. customers. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Back here on the Locked On Steelers podcast, I'm your host, Chris Carter, here with Will Graves of the Associated Press. Will, we're getting to the grades segment of our show here. We get, we'll get we do these for the next two segments in total. Uh, for those who need a reminder, we don't do traditional grades around here. We try to do the grades in, uh, in, 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 the, in our own unique way, and that involves the stars and skulls uh, system that we have here now. For those who need a reminder, we have a pretty simple simple rubric. Stars are good. Skulls are bad. If you have one star, you have a kind of a good play with like a decent day. Two stars usually have like a great play with like a good day along with it. Three stars is like an all-time elite performance. And on the flip side, one skull means you just had a bad play without really any redeeming yourself. Two star two skulls mean you get you mean you had a bad game as a whole. Three skulls, all time terrible. We've got a few of those this game as well. And in fact, let's lead off with our, our skulls in this one. And we'll finish we'll finish in the next segment with our stars as, as far as who was the best here, because we kind of talked about that more on our Tuesday show. But I'll lead off with our three skulls here. And three guys that I point to that I think had some of the worst days here were Levi Wallace, Mason Cole. And Gunnar Olszewski, Levi Wallace, yet again, was the guy who, when the when the run was cut back his way, he he gave up his gap, gave up the big score, and he was picked on consistently throughout the game. And to me, that made it really rough to look to look at him and say anything other than, man, he's got, he's a major liability at this point. Will, there's a lot of people after this Ugh. game focusing on, on on Levi Wallace and saying, why isn't Joey Porter Jr. getting more snaps? Mike Tomlin seemed to, you know, be kind of here and there and kind of not trying to say what's going to happen there. Do you get the sense that Porter is getting closer to maybe taking a starting role? Well, I think he's certainly, you know, the, the, the confidence, the coaches, 
coaching staff's confidence in JPJ is rising. You can see with each performance and obviously look at the way his teammates reacted, uh, you know, you know, when he made an impactful, impactful plays last night uh, with Wallace, like the scary, the, the part as a coach that would frustrate me um, is on the big run. He basically made a business decision once he was about five to seven yards behind. He was like, ah, oh, you know like, what, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. you know, Minka's going to Minka's chasing him, you know, Pat's chasing him. I'm good. I'll, you know, he made a business decision. That, that's an effort thing. Like, yep. I, I can, I can forgive techniques or, you know, like he lost his contain on that play that, you know, quarterbacks are, are going to get burned sometimes, but that if from an effort standpoint, um, you know, surprising because I hadn't really seen that from him before, but that was, mm-hmm. That was a uh, very, very uh, curious and un, you know not gr- not a great look, especially when they basically drafted the guy that's going to replace you sooner or later. And when you play like that, it turns into sooner rather than later. Absolutely, absolutely. Here, just finishing out the three skull grades. Mason Cole. I just thought he had the worst day on the offensive line. Was getting beat up a lot uh, on in pass pro and in the run game. Really couldn't help the Steelers establish the middle part of the run. And maybe that's why Matt Canada was trying to run out wide a little bit. But still. Just a, a rough day from him uh, as well. And then Gunnar Olszewski, and, and I feel like, you know, he really only had two bad plays, but they were some terrible plays, Will. I mean, catching the ball. He made sure to toe-tap on the kickoff that he caught at the 10 <laughs> that if he just if he just stands out of bounds and catches it, they get the ball at the 40. He gains Browns 30 yards, and then he fumbles on the one time they throw it to him. And it's just like. Man, if you like, there's people who made the joke that Bill Belichick let him go to the Steelers as a double agent, and when he does stuff like this, I'm like, you know, that sounds crazy. But when you see that stuff, it makes you say, hmm. I mean, like with on the kickoff, man, I mean, he like, did you see what happened? Like after he stepped out of bounds, he raised his hand like he had said, "Oh, I tried to fair catch it," and I was like, "Uh, bro, like we were all watching. That did not right. happen." very i mean that was that was look he's a smart guy and the guys i have a total i have a ton of respect for guys his size that make it in the league right because he's not supposed to be here you know like i mean like if you look at him you know he he looks like he should be working at panera right but i mean he is he has worked himself into uh you know an nfl football player but that was not you know that was below the line to borrow a tomlinism and look i'm you know guys he got hit hard got one the protocol and fumbled like i'm not gonna guys get hit hard all the time and fumble but man it just when you can't back it, you know, when you back up two plays like that. And I appreciate, you know, you know, Mike T was asked about it and he said, I didn't ask him for an explanation because I didn't want to hear excuses. And, you know, as a, as a guy who spent uh, seven years coaching uh, little league baseball players, uh, I am with him on that. And sometimes you just don't want to know, like, like just go out and just make another play. So I forget about this. Unfortunately for Gunner, the next play he may ended up with the ball, with the ball in the Browns hands and he was out of the game. Our two skull players we gra- I graded in this game, Dan Moore Jr., Isaac Sayomalo, Isaiah Loudermilk will get to our one skull players in a second here. But the theme that we'll see, and I'll, I'll give a little spoiler here, uh, the other two starters, uh, Chuksa Korfor and uh, James Daniels, got, they got one skull grades. But the entire offensive line getting skulls this, this, this week here, Will, it, it goes back to what I was hinting towards in the first segment. This looks like a regressed offensive line. And... Like not that they were dominant at the end of last season, but they look like they've lost all of the, as Mike Tomlin put it, mojo that even like, you know, the preseason is one thing, but this offensive line was blocking people at the end of last season and blocking the Browns, blocking the Ravens teams that had talent up front. And now it's like, well, forget all those lessons. We're going to have to start, start all over again. And is that something that's alarming to you that like, maybe this is a bigger problem or do you see this group as, as a group that can kind of mold itself and fix things go, yeah, as the year goes along? 
I mean, you know, the interesting thing, Chris, is we, we've all done this. I mean, I've spent the last six months saying, well, look at the Steelers. They're building like this big physical offensive line. You know, they got Samalo. They drafted Broderick. Um, you know, they, they're going to be the yin to the yang of the, of the, of the Chiefs. They're going to try to pound people into submission. They're trying to win games 24-17. They're going to try to win at the line of scrimmage. That's what Andy Weidel did when he got to Philly. That's, was, that's their thing. That's how they got great. And, I mean, the early returns have not been what we expected. I mean, I, I think, look, two really, really good defensive lines, like like elite defensive lines they've played. So, like, they're not going to play guys with literally potential Hall of Famers on the defensive line every week. That being said, you know, we're talking about the identity like a little bit ago. Yeah. It's hard to establish an identity when you don't have time or you don't have holes, right? I mean, like, right. and it like, so it's on them as much as it is Kenny and Najee and, and the skill position players. So, uh, yeah, regress is not, um, I mean, it's a little early to say regress, but uh, it's certainly disappointing for sure through two weeks. Now for our one skull grades, this is kind of a mixed bag of different positions. I gave one skull grades to Ch Shannon Sullivan, who gave up four receptions on four targets, to Marvin Leal, who did have a sack, and he looked good on that, but I thought that he was one of the, the bigger culprits in the Steelers' problems in the run game. James Daniels, who I mentioned earlier, Patrick Peterson, just gotten beaten a couple times, not terribly, but didn't. I, th I don't think he ever really redeemed himself with some of the plays there. Quan Alexander, who didn't look all that terrible, but the also in the times when the run was breaking loose, I saw him being slow lower to the ball than say a Landon Roberts. So I gave a neutral grade in this game because he did have to have that big hit, but he also had some missed tackles that I was like, mm, that didn't look great, but he was at least balanced. Quan Alexander outside of letting Deshaun Watson throw him by his face mask. I didn't see him make a huge play in this game. Tukes a core for, but I also gave Kenny Pickett a one skull grade in this game because I do believe that when I'm looking back at it and the opportunities that, that were in front of him, the first half, I thought that there were a lot more missed things in the second half. I do think he was kind of schemed into a bad situation uh, more often than not there by Matt Canada. So I was kind of more lenient on him with my one skull as well as Keanu Benton. I threw in the one skull territory. He wasn't terrible, but there were some plays that I think he could have had back that he did better there. Will, am I being too lenient on Kenny Pickett? I'm, I'm a person. I put it out there. Like when he messes up, I'm like, I'm like, Hey, this is on him. He's got to be better. But like when I looked at this game, I was kind of like, you know, there were times, yes, he did need to be better and he wasn't good in this game. But I felt like there was at least like a sense, like you were saying, the offensive line wasn't protecting him consistently. It was tough for him to set anything up and it just made it tough for him to kind of get his footing in this game. Yeah. But his, you know, his decision-making, you know, which is supposed to be one of his strengths was not, yeah. you know, it was not good. Was, it was not at the level that it needs to be. Right. Um, if you want to be a good football team. Right. And he, you know, he seems intent, uh, you know, every time he goes to his left and tries to throw, um, you know, it's just, he, it's not a strength of his. I mean, and he, I would see that I'm sitting next to Jim Wexel and, and Jim's going, Oh my God, he's going left. He's going left. This is going to be a disaster. Mm -hmm. And you know, it, it was a disaster. It was an incompletion, a poorly thrown ball. The, the one, the one play that sort of sticks out to me, uh, you know, Pickens was up on the left. He ran like, what you call it, maybe a skinny post or whatever. And, and Kenny threw the ball before he turned, threw it behind him and threw it a hundred thousand miles an hour. Yeah. And I mean, there, he was NFL open. Okay, he was not college open. And we've talked to Kenny about this, you know, all summer. You know, and Kenny said, look, I know the difference between college open and NFL open, but he seemed to be forcing things a little bit, um, pressing. And look, you know, 15 for 30. Uh, there's a lot of that going on in Acrisure Stadium this fall by the home team quarterbacks. And I don't think that's a that's a recipe that's uh, sustainable for either program that calls that uh, stadium home. So, uh, you know, I don't, are you being too lenient? No, I mean, look, the kid is what he's played still played less than a full season. 
Right. Uh, they did. They did win the game, but they won it basically in spite of the offense. Uh, yeah. You know, and, and and they're always kind of good for one of those a year. You know, and I thought it might I thought it might have been last week. And that's why I picked them to win last week, because they, you know, they did it in Buffalo. TJ stole the game in Buffalo in 21. TJ stole the, you know, the defense, I should say, stole the game in Cincinnati last year. So I guess it happened in week two instead of week one. But, yeah, Kenny needs to be one of the reasons they win going forward for sure. Absolutely. We'll get to our star grades here on the other side of the break of the Locked On Steelers podcast. Chris Carter with Will Graves of the Associated Press. But first, I want to remind you guys, the show is also sponsored by Prize Picks. Prize Picks is daily fantasy made easy. All you have to do to play Prize Picks is pick two or more players, guess more or less on their Prize Picks projected stats, and you can win up to 25 times your money. It's that easy. Prize Picks is the new fun daily fantasy game where everyone can play right now. And you're not playing against the field, you're not competing against thousands of people. You're just trying to beat Prize Picks projections and get it right on more or less pick. And it's simple. Just pick two to six players if you think you have a beat on their day in fantasy, and you can win up to 25 times your money. For example, in the next Steelers game, Will T.J. Watt get more than one and a half sacks? Will George Pickens get more than half a touchdown? If you guess right on both of those, you can win money right away on Prize Picks. And Prize Picks offers weekly promotions that can lead up to big payouts, like Taco Tuesday, where every Tuesday Prize Picks discounts select player projections up to twenty five percent to provide even more value. And that all the Prize Picks also includes an NBA, MLB, NHL, and college sports. So get on Prize Picks right now. Download the Prize Picks app or go to PrizePicks.com to sign up and play daily fantasy sports. And when you go to PrizePicks.com, go to Prize prizepicks.com slash locked on NFL. And when you do use the code locked on NFL, all capital letters, all one word for a first deposit match up to $100. That's prizepicks.com slash locked on NFL code locked on NFL for a first deposit match up to Back here on the Locked On Steelers podcast, Chris Carter with Will Graves of the Associated Press. Let's get to our star grades here, Will. We got one star grades for this game, and there were quite a guys who I gave, or quite a few guys who I gave one star grades, particularly particularly because I thought they gave good effort in different situations that helped them out. I lead off with both running backs, Najee Harris and Jalen Warren. Jalen Warren would have gotten a two-star grade if he was better in pass protection. There was one play that he kind of just let a guy run through to Kenny Pickett and he got and got him sacked, but. That one reception that he had right before the George Pickens touchdown was phenomenal. It was third and long. He ran past the guys and, and, and showed that, hey, when he sees point A and point B, he can get there. I thought that was impressive. But also impressive, Najee Harris, even though it didn't lead to points, he had back-to-back runs of 17 yards or more. And that's now three times he's done that in two games so far. And he seems to be in doing it in spite of this offensive line and what they're showing there. And I think it's another sign that, man, if this Steelers offensive line can just figure it out and, and figure out how to block better at the point of attack, they've got two weapons here who can help them take over games. Yeah, for sure. Uh, you know, I. it's funny. I, I had us. I had a stat and a story uh, wrote after the game that you know if you take out the the twenty one the twenty four yarder against the Niners and and the, the twenty one yarder against the the Browns, Najee's average is about two yards of carry, right? So I that, I think that and they're for a bell cow that needs to be better than that, right? Mm-hmm. So, but, but as we mentioned earlier, it's about opportunity. Jalen is making a pretty compelling case. I mean, when people want to wonder want to know why running backs you know aren't getting Don't you get know, 20, 25 million dollar contracts because here's a UDFA who at times is just as effective as the, as your first rounder, if not more effective. Right. So, uh, and you're right, Jalen. I mean, I think, you know, that play uh, was with that third down conversion where he basically mm-hmm. got the last five yards on his own. 
Uh, and then the next was it a couple plays or was it the next play? It was a couple plays later. I mean, like, and he was in the backfield lined up next to Kenny. It was mm-hmm. a little little RPO, little little yep. fake handoff, and the linebackers went like this, and Pickens went right by him, right? Yep. Uh, it, does that happen if Najee's in the game? I, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I, I, it probably does. To be fair, it probably does. Mm-hmm. Um, but the, like, it's all about perception too, right? So right. I expect Najee. I mean, he's a first round pick. It's his third year. He's supposed to be. You know, this is his prime. I you need more than what, 74 yards in two games. A lot of that's some of that's opportunity as we, as we chatted about. Um, but man, like it is when, when the gap between your first rounder and UDFA is narrow, it's not great. I, I agree that it, that is an issue for sure. Other one-star grades here. Minka Fitzpatrick, he had a, he had a breakup and really his almost interception led to Alex Highsmith's pick six. Uh, and he also had some key tackles in the game. Uh, you know, so I, I give him a one-star grade because he didn't have too many other points of production, but still produced there. Calvin Austin with an impressive c- catch on Denzel Ward, as well as some good special team returns. I also gave one stars to both Keanu Neal and Demonte KZ because when, uh, when Minka Fitzpatrick went down in this game, both of them stepped up and weren't liabilities in coverage, which was a big step up from where they were uh, last week against the Niners, as was Elijah Riley, who came in. He even had a sack on Deshaun Watson and showed why the Steelers were so excited to keep him on their roster at a training camp. Other guys who I gave one-star grades, Armin Watts, who only played a few snaps, but he pressured Deshaun Watson. He helped against the run. I thought he kind of showed, hey, maybe he needs a few more looks. Montrevious Adams, who, if it wasn't for his forced fumble, he wouldn't be here, but his forced fumble on the fourth down was a huge turning point for the game, so I gave him that. Nick Herbig, who, even though didn't show up huge on the stat list, also was a guy who got face masked by Deshaun Watson, and Blew up some blockers in this game to make a difference. Him and Joey Porter Jr., who had a third down breakup and was the in coverage at the end of the game on the fourth down play. I gave both of them a star and Marcus Golden, who also got a sack on Deshaun Watson. Will, I, I want to ask you about uh, a, a, about Joey Porter Jr. again. Are, we're, we're seeing him make plays, but like, are the Steelers getting in their own way by not letting him just get more chances because they're they're hoping for Levi Wallace, who was decent last year. He wasn't great, but he was reliable last year. In these first two games, he's been anything but. Well, you know, I think, first of all, it's encouraging when you got so many young guys having positive impacts on the game, as you outlined. I mean, you know, from, from Herbig to JPJ to, to Calvin Austin to, to some of these other guys. I mean, that's a good thing. If you're good players, if your young players are making positive impacts on the game, um, you know, quarterback is such a tough position in the NFL. Yeah. Uh, you know, Joey's coming in with a, you know, look, the, the name Porter means something here. Uh, and, and he played at Penn State. I mean, it's sort of mm-hmm. like the same thing with Kenny, right? I mean, the good news is he's got a lot of goodwill, but the, the flip side of that is a lot of high expectations come along with that. So I'm sort of I'm okay with them easing him in. We just can't get to a situation where he's out playing Wallace on a regular basis and still seeing, you know, 15, 20 snaps, you know, he right. where he's in where he's in where he's in packages. I think that's but look, they're trending. They're I mean, you know, once one stock is going up and one is going down. So I think um if Levi does not have a bounce back performance here in the next couple of weeks, I certainly think by the time we get to the Ravens game, you're gonna see a situation where, you know, maybe 24 is out there when the starters run out there. 
our two-star grades here. We got four players that made the list. Larry Ogunjobi, who I thought was the best impression of Cam Hayward on the Steelers' de- defensive line. He didn't dominate the entire game, but he surely made a difference, Made it, had a sack on a key possession after that Kenny Pickett interception that kind of pushed them back and led to a missed field goal for the Browns. Um, also, I thought was the most disruptive on the defensive line as a whole. George Pickens, who we've talked about, had a phenomenal 71-yard catch and run there. Also made another another a few more catches as well. I thought he was solid. Cole Holcomb, by the way, who I was wondering, I was like, when were we going to see this guy and what they signed, you know, from the commanders to make this happen? Then he, on a key third down, he forces a hold at the key point of attack, which pushes the the, the series back. And then uh, that leads to another sequence of plays that eventually he forces a fumble that gets the Steelers a key turnover, which set up the eventual field position after a good Presley Harvin punt. We'll get to him in a bit. Um, you know, that gets set up the the scoop and score from Watton Highsmith. Holcomb, I thought, was well, and Chris Boswell, who made some long kicks uh, to keep the Steelers in this game. Uh, Will, what's your impression of the Steelers linebackers right now? Because they're, we asked Mike Tomlin about them, and, and he was kind of like, you know, it's a mixed bag. They're still adjusting to the to the game. But I thought Cole Holcomb kind of showed flashes of why they made, made a point to sign him. Yeah, I mean, look, he, he's a professional. He's smart. He's supposed to know, you know, where the ball is going to go. He knows where he's supposed to be. Um, you would like a little more physicality. I mean, that's the thing, right? I mean, like, like that group, especially those inside guys, you know, they're the teams. The Steelers have led with 386 yards rushing in two games, and look, some of those were on you know missed tackles or, or lost containment in long plays, but a lot of it was just we're coming right at you, right? Yeah. So he he's like he's not the biggest dude in the world. But you want to see those inside guys. If 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 the defensive line is doing what it's supposed to do, if it's eating up the blocks, that they can get in there and fill the holes and, and hold. Turn. They need to start turning five and six yard runs into two and three yard runs. Yeah. And I need that. That's what I need to see out of all of the entire inside group. And I mean the outside guys. Like they're good. I, I think we're okay with the outside guys. <laughs> <laughs> I, I I hear you there, and uh, the the outside guys there are, are three stars: T.J. Watt and Alex Highsmith, both scoring touchdowns. Well, all week I was like, "All right, the key to this game, if the Steelers are going to counter what they what the Browns do with Nick Nick Chubb and what they what they do best, they need their their edge rushers to win their matchups. They need to dominate the game. I didn't think that meant scoring fourteen points, but it still uh, was one way to do it. My other three star guy is Presley Harvin, who I think. After Mike Tomlin openly called him out in his last Tuesday press conference, resp- responded strongly. He had he had two touchbacks on seven punts, along with four of those other punts res- being inside the 20, one of which pinned them at the one-yard line. I thought he had a bounce back. But, Will, the, these edge rushers, man, they're not going to score two touchdowns or even one touchdown every week, but I think they highlighted just why the Steelers spent, spent so much money to keep both around. Right, but first of all, we have to give a, a, a nod of respect to varsity punting. That was varsity punting. That was varsity punting. A Mike T. Uh, a Tomlinism. Uh, and look, those. Um, I, I think people were waiting to see with Highsmith. I mean, look, he had a really good season last year, especially mm-hmm. in the first half of the year when TJ was out. Um, but that's a lot of money to give a guy for one good year. I mean, let's remember yeah. Bud. Bud had one really good year and cashed mm-hmm. it in, right? And then it has would never really, and then left, and then never really was able to replicate that. Uh, the, you know, Alex uh, to listen to them talk after the game and say on the strip sack that they they both knew without like talking to each other. Hey, I think this is going to be play action. Let me get out a little wider. Let me create mm-hmm. a little better a little better angle of attack. And then you saw Alex literally just spin right around 
you know, the left tackle for the Browns and, you know, chopped the, chops the ball to Watson's hands. I mean, like that sort of the ability to sort of, I mean, it's ESP like, uh, like this, yeah. the ability, I mean, that's what you want, especially look, this is what their fourth year together and they're going to be together for the, at least the next handful of seasons. Um, you know, that is, that's is special and it costs money and the Steelers realize that and are paying those guys accordingly. Um, I did, uh, <laughs> you did make uh, Mike T laugh. You asked him about Highsmith and coverage and, you know, he's like, well, we pay him to get to the quarterback, but <laughs> to your point, he is proving to be a little more versatile, I think than you know, he is, you know, he can, he can set the edge sometimes, uh, you know, he's pretty good at that, but uh, man, not many teams in the league have that luxury to have two guys that can change the trajectory of games the way that those two guys can. And look, if we, we all expect, um, you know, I was bullish uh, on the Steelers when the season started. I thought 11 and six based a little bit. Let's I'll be honest with you. I'm, I've been doing this a while. I shouldn't have gotten as fooled maybe as I did during the preseason. <laughs> um, but look, if they get in the playoffs by a game or if they win a tiebreaker, you know, mm-hmm. if they finish nine and eight or 10 and seven and get in because, uh, you know, because of their conference record or division record or whatever the, the tiebreaker is, you know, they're going to win a game. And one of those wins is going to be a game which they had negative seven yards in the fourth quarter of a game they were trailing. OK, yep. and that was the first that's the second time that it happened since 91. The, the previous time was last uh, December. Uh, the Jags did it to the to the Titans. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, I mean, and that's be- strictly because of those guys. Um, that they they won that game. The Steelers yep. did not. The Steelers did not. The Steelers had no business winning that game. They had no business. I mean, I think if Chubb say, you know, look, we hope that Ch- Nick Chubb is back on a football field again. Yeah, um, was, you know, ho- hopefully in 2024. I mean, I think everybody hopes that. If that doesn't happen, maybe the game's different. But you know, Kevin Stefanski, he he creates these teams that are designed to bludgeon opponents, and then he comes in every time he comes into Pittsburgh, he decides to throw the ball. I don't like, get it. And, and, and it always ends badly. I, I really always think go back to like the you know, Ben's last game on Monday night where they had Baker throw it 38 times in a game oh, where they were averaging five yards a carry. Like, what are we doing here? So there was a lot. The grounds helped, but they presented the opportunity and two of the best elite edge rushers in the league, certainly probably one of the top one or two tandems in the league said, you know what, if you're going to let us hang around, and do stupid stuff and give the ball away, we will happily take this from you, Cleveland. Thanks so much. So mm-hmm. that is, you know, I, I think that this is going to be, you know, there's a lot of road left. There's a lot of road left. Um, but I still think the schedule is is somewhat favorable. Um, it looks like Cincinnati's going to be in a, in a dogfight. Who knows what Cleveland's going to be without Chubb. The Ravens look really good, but the Ravens, you know, have a tendency to look good early and then fade a little bit as the year goes on. Um, the Steelers are sort of the opposite for the a lot. Um, so this might be a game we talk about, you know, mid-January, if they squeak into the playoffs, hey, this was the thing that got them going, this this stupid game. I mean, it was just bizarre. It was a weird, funky, just whenever these guys play at night, it just something stupid happens. Like there's something just stupid. stupid I mean, and um, but look, when it happens in Pittsburgh, the, outside of that, the playoff game, the Steelers uh, find a way. So uh, not ugly, a lot to work on. Certainly, you know, I don't think they, at the moment, they're any closer to the teams they're trying to chase, but I'd rather not be any closer, you know, from a visual standpoint, but in the standings, you're, you know, you're one and one instead of zero and two. So, uh, you know, l- lucky, but cannot afford, you know, the next two should be not gimmies, but they should be games that if they just don't turn the ball over, they should win. 
But, you know, if they follow up, you know, they need also need to make progress. They need to take a step forward. Exactly. And, and they're lucky. I mean, Jimmy G is probably like, oh, my God, I got to block these two guys. How? You know, he's he's a pretty dude. He's probably worried about his post-football future. <laughs> um, and, look, those guys, it's crazy. You know, I talked to Mason Cole. I did a story on Miles Garrett and, um, and TJ on during the week, and I talked to Mason about it. He's like, these guys, like one snap, one snap. You, yeah. can, you could have 69 great snaps against these guys and you have one bad snap and the game is over. And that is essentially what happened last night. That, that That's what the Steelers edge rushers did in, in taking advantage of the game. But again, that's what that, that's why you pay those guys to stick around. If that's Nick Herbig, he might make some plays, but he's not he doesn't have that connection, like you said, about Highsmith and what knowing when and where and how to counteract with each other to what the Browns were, were trying to do in that situation. And like you said, the Steelers may have it may have been a sloppy game. They may not have, have actually been the better team for you know for, for most of it, but they found a way to win. They got out of there. They're one and one tied with the Browns with a tiebreaker in their hands, one game behind the Ravens, and a lot of the season with a young roster to get much better throughout it. We'll see how they do as the season continues. He's Will Graves of the Associated Press. Will, thanks so much for joining us here on the Locked on Steelers podcast. Let people know they can find you, follow you, and get more of your work. Hey, uh, you can follow me at Will Graves AP or go to APnews.com or buy a newspaper. They still exist. Chris happens to uh, Chris happens to work for one that uh, I will find some AP copy in on occasion. But Chris, I respect the grind, man. Uh, you are one of the hardest working dudes in show business. Uh, I am old and, uh, you know, I am the I'm the doddering old man and you are the, the young buck. I'm the old cowboy. Uh, a lot of respect for, for what you guys do. I mean, look, guys, I don't know if you, I, I assume this has come up, um, but. Look, I've been doing, I'm going to this be 13 years and I've not once one time at, uh, over at St. Vincent had anybody yell from the stands, Hey, Will Graves, <laughs> can you come sign this thing? That happened to Carter more than once. And I, I turned to like Chris Adamski. I was like, what? It's over for us, man. We are, we are 117 <laughs> years old. Okay. So I have a dude, but seriously, but it's well-earned. You've really created a, you know, a, a little, pocket for yourself you know you you've you've done so you found it your passion um you know i I respect a lot of respect and like this is fun it's very odd i mean this might be the longest podcast you ever have because that's the problem i come on these things i don't get (laughs) to light me out of my cage and i start talking a lot uh but really respect what you guys do and look it's uh like I grew up, I cover a lot of different sports for the ap i cover the pirates i cover the pens i cover pit i could go to the i go to the olympics um cover simone biles man like yeah i mean i do a lot of cool stuff but I mean, I do this because when I was a kid, all I wanted to do was be a football player. And that didn't happen. Uh, one year, the 75 pound Waldorf Wildcats, uh, you know, taught me that I was not going to be a football player. But th- this sport is what leads me to do what I do for a living. And I see the passion that you have for it. And I told you, like, you're super smart. I told I, like I told you, I was like, don't ask me about any gap stuff. Don't ask me about any three technique, four technique stuff. I don't know. That's not my lane. I know that's that's the one beauty of being 49. I know right. my lane, right? Give me big picture. Give me, give me, you know, give me 30,000 foot view stuff. Give me like old wise man stuff. Um, you know, it, <laughs> you have found your lane, you're thriving in it. And uh, it's excellent to see. 
Thanks a million, Will. It means an honor to hear hear that from you, a person I respect so highly that's in our media structure. We're blessed to have you in Pittsburgh. And we're definitely going to have you back on the Locked on Steelers podcast. So we're love to to have you here. He's Will Graves in the Associated Press. I'm Chris Carter of the Locked on Steelers podcast. You can also read me at the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette, post-gazette.com for my content there. You can also check me out here Monday through Friday on the Locked on Steelers podcast, on your favorite podcasting apps, and on YouTube. Tomorrow, crossover Thursday, we've got Q from Locked on Raiders getting us ready. For the big for the big weekend, it's going to be a fun one to stay tuned for tomorrow for another episode of Locked On Steelers. 